Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey. I, um, first of all, that was, that was awesome, right? Like, I don't know how, how to follow that, but here we go. Um, I, I heard um, from three um, excited people that we have a birthday today. Um, someone named Carter, is that right? Yeah. And I was, I was asked if we could sing happy birthday. And if I said no, I would look like a jerk. So kind of have to say, sing happy birthday. So can we all sing happy birthday to Carter? Ready? Happy birthday. That's good. Come on, give him a hand. I, I heard, uh, I heard it's, it's number 18, so you're officially a man. Come on. Welcome to manhood and all that comes with that. Awesome. We are continuing with our series uh, tonight called One Family. One Family. I am the youngest in my family. Um, I have two older siblings. Any other youngest siblings? Youngest, youngest, youngest? Can I be honest with you? We are the greatest. Um, I'm, I'm sure that if you're not the youngest, you've heard that before, um, that we are the best. We are the chosen. We are, um, we are highly favored. Um, I understand I'm a little biased, uh, but research has shown that there are some significant differences between youngest siblings and older siblings. Now, I found this on the internet, so we know it must be true. And so um, here's the research I found, right? Studies showed five things about the youngest siblings. Number one, they are typically more adventurous, right? Like, they're adventurous because they search for their unoccupied family niche, right? Like this is their unique role or place in the family. Now, caveat, um, I am not adventurous at all. Um, I would make every excuse not to uh, ride the zip line. Um, I was asked if I was going to ride a horse. Uh, that's a hard no. Um, so that is just not me. But anyway, um, number two, studies showed that youngest siblings are typically funnier. They're, they're the comedians of the family, I'm, I'm sensing some agreement. This comes out of a desire for attention. Youngest siblings love attention. So in order to get attention, we use humor, right? Well, that's just your opinion, and we're just very, very funny. Number three, typically, uh, youngest siblings are more relaxed, and uh, the internet said so. Don't, don't look at me. This is, because, this is because parents tend to be more lenient to youngest siblings. Now, that is true. That is very true. I have, uh, I told you I have two kids, Brady and Olivia. Brady's my oldest. And man, when, when we brought him home, like, I was literally driving like 10 miles an hour on the road because I was like, God forbid something were to happen to my brand new baby, right? 
when Olivia was home, like, I don't even know if I strapped her in a car seat. Like, it was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, she'll be fine, right? Like, falling down the stairs, yeah, she'll, she'll brush it off. Like, toughen up, right? Like, that, that tends to happen, right? So they're typically more relaxed. Number four, they're great at making friends. And this is because of the need for attention. Younger siblings learn how to create their own friend groups. Like, they're just like, I'm just going to go seek out my own friends. I'm just going to seek out my own group. And num- number five, the last thing, is they're typically more creative, they're typically more creative. I feel like there are some people that are offended in this room. Some older siblings. Let me just remind you about forgiveness, okay? It's, it wasn't, wasn't too long ago that we talked about that. Younger siblings don't want to copy their older siblings. So in order to be their own person, they tend to do things outside the box to create their own avenue, do what they want to do. Now, Take this as you want it, right? The internet said so, and it could be true, and whatever. But the driving force behind a lot of this is, is this desire for belonging, right? This desire for belonging. Regardless if you're the youngest sibling or whatever, I think every human has an innate desire, a deep-down desire to be, uh, to, to belong to something or to someone, right? And, and what happens is we want to be seen and so we have to do what we can in order to be seen. And, and when we are seen, we feel accepted, accepted. We've talked about obedience. We've talked about forgiveness. And tonight, I want to talk about acceptance. This could be considered a part two from this morning. And you're probably thinking, oh, dear God, what have I gotten myself into? But, I, but just hang out with me for a little bit. No matter your family life. No matter what you believe, the birth order, etc., everybody has a deep desire to belong and to be accepted. Has anybody in here taken any kind of psychology classes? Psychology, AP psych, just normal psychology, any, okay? Um, you may have heard of this guy, Maslow, right? Maslow, he, he did some research on people, and his research concluded that human beings just need five things in life. And um, I, I didn't get a, a picture in time. And, and so just imagine this, this triangle with five sections, starting from the bottom with the top. And at the very bottom is the basic need. And this is the physiological need. Like this is air, water, food, shelter, clothing. These are like the basic fundamental needs. The next, the next block up is safety, right? This is personal security, health, employment, property, right? So that, that's the second most important the third most important, this is love and belonging. This is the friendship, the family, the connection. The fourth thing is esteem, respect, status, recognition. And the fifth thing is self-actualization. This is becoming the best version of yourself. These are the five basic things that every human desires and needs. And you may have heard of this before, but it's so interesting that after our basic needs are met, we desire to belong. After we've, get, after we've gotten the air, after we know how to breathe, after we've got the safety, security, then we find the desire to belong. Why am I bringing this up? The reality is that we all desire belonging, yet so many people look for it in the wrong places. We desire to be accepted. We, we desire to belong to something or someone, but the culture today is telling us to, to look for these things in the wrong places, and many times I think we can mistake acceptance for popularity. We can confuse acceptance with popularity, and research has shown that there are two types of popularity, two types of popularity. You have status, 
and likability. Two types of popularity. You have status and likability. Status is about visibility and influence. Status is a popularity that is chased by being or having things that others don't have. There's, there's this feeling of superiority, right? This is the kid at school who always comes to school with, with that brand new pair of shoes or, or the kid that drives the, the best car or he has the best clothes or the one with the most attractive boyfriend or girlfriend or the captain of the teams, right? It's, it's this feeling of I have what I have and what I have makes me look better. It's a, it's a status, right? Their influence is based off what they have, that status. The, the next thing is likability, and research shows that likability is learned as early as age three. The, there are people that you like, and then there are people that you don't, right? Like, likability is, is how a person treats you. It's, it's how they make you feel, how, how well they include people. And the research found that when you hit middle school, the chemicals in your brain react in a way that makes you crave and almost become addicted to attention by others your age. Your, your brain does something. Remember I said I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, so I don't really know. But, but uh, you, your brain begins to crave this attention, and we can become addicted to this attention. We crave attention, status, and likability. And the challenge of this culture we live in today is that in order to get this kind of attention, you kind of have to earn it, right? You kind of have to fight for it. In order to be seen, you have to do something that is worthy of being seen. You have to do something that is worthy of being noticed. And so often, it's in that pursuit of acceptance where mistakes are often made. We, we pursue acceptance, but we're doing it in the wrong way, right? In order to fit in, you're more willing to drink, vape or smoke, have sex, watch porn, lie, disrespect your parents, and the list just goes on and on. And we're looking to be included and we're looking to be accepted. And so we want to do what everybody else is doing so that we can be noticed. But the things that we're doing are the wrong things. What started as a desire for acceptance has now, has now led to destructive habits. But here's what I noticed, especially in my own life. Popularity looks attractive. Popularity looks attractive on the outside. You're like, man, I really wish I could, I could have that many followers. I, could, I really wish I could be that kind of influencer. I really wish people would like me like they do that person. I really wish I could get that girl, that kind of girl. I wish I could get that kind of guy. I, w- I really wish I could have those things because if I have those things or if I have those people, then, man, then I'll just feel like I belong. In the book of Luke, we see a picture of the pursuit of something attractive, and it's so ironic how God works because you actually already heard the story in the video during worship. Jesus tells a story about a family, and there was this father, and he had two sons. The younger son told his father that he wanted his share of the estate. So the father divided his wealth, and he, and he gave it to the sons, and a few days later, the son left, and he moved away, and Jesus said that he spent all of his wealth in wild living. But then his money ran out. And there was this famine in the land and food began to decrease and and he began to starve and he was finally able to find a job feeding pigs. And he got so hungry that he even thought about eating the food that he was feeding to the pigs, but 
he then came to his senses. So I want to pick up the story in Luke 15. It says this. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father Solomon was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has found. So they began to celebrate. For some of you, you have this desire to belong and and you, you're, you're mistaking that for popularity and, and you're making decisions that may seem attractive now, but in the end will lead you nowhere. And what we see here is this picture of what acceptance really means. The younger son moved away. He was gone, right? But I love the detail that Jesus gave in this story. It says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This means that there was never a moment that the father was not looking for his son to come home. There was always, there was always a desire of the father to, to look for the son. I mean, p- picture, picture this moment, right? There, there was no social media. There was no find my phone. There was no find my friends. Like this, this was a, he had no idea, but there was this constant hope that the son was going to return. And as soon as the father saw the son, the father ran toward him. But notice that the father didn't run toward him to yell at him, to shame him, or to make him feel bad. He ran toward the son to welcome him back. The father didn't care that the son wasted his wealth. The father didn't care about the choices that he made. The father only cared that the son came home. For some of us, we're chasing the wrong things. We're, we're chasing acceptance. We're chasing popularity. And we're making decisions that unfortunately are separating us from God. And I need you to know tonight, that God is looking for you. God is waiting for you to come home. And when you decide to come home, he isn't going to shame you. He isn't going to condemn you or make you feel guilty. Just like the Father, he's going to wrap you up. He's going to welcome you in. And then he's going to throw a party. There's going to be a celebration when you return home. Yesterday, we talked about Hosea and obedience. This morning, we talked about forgiveness. I want to pick up the story in Hosea chapter 3, and it says this. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. This is what we talked about this morning. Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. But here's the part that you need to hear. 
So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. So I bought her back. This woman was unfaithful to Hosea, and somehow she ended up in slavery. The Bible doesn't give that detail, but I don't, I don't know why else she would have to be bought. So somehow I'm making this conclusion that she ended up in slavery, and he could have easily walked away. He could have seen his wife up on this slavery block where people were bidding on her, and he could have said, you know what, this isn't worth it for me anymore. My reputation has already been shattered. I'm not about to lower myself again and, and, and buy some back. He, he could have easily have walked away, punished her, rejected her, but he didn't do any of that. He bought her back. And the interesting thing about this, in my studying of the scripture and and this story, it said that the average price of a slave in that time was about 30 pieces of silver. But in this story, we see that Hosea bought Gomer back for 15 pieces. That means, I don't, I don't know if you're good at math, I'm not, but that means that Hosea paid half of the average of the standard for slaves in that time. That means that whoever valued her didn't think she was worth that much. Whoever put the value on Gomer said, she's not like the rest of them. She's low quality. She's not good enough. She's not worth it. She's not worth 30 pieces. She's not worth more than that. She, she, give her half of that, right? But Hosea knew the value. God knew the value. Hosea did this because this was the picture that God was painting to the people of Israel. And this is the picture that is painted in our lives. The reality of this life is that we are all sinners. We all mess up and we all have that thing that we struggle with. We, we have these moments where we surrender to God, but then we get caught up in the same sin or a different sin. And some of you tonight, just, let's just be real, like you're stuck in sin. You're, we're stuck in sin, and some of you tonight, you just have no idea how to get out. Maybe you're friends with people who really just aren't good friends to you, but you think it's better to be friends with them than to have no friends at all. Maybe you bully other people at school because it, it makes you look cooler. Maybe you smoke with those kids because you think it'll make them like you. Maybe you have sex with that guy or girl because you crave love and belonging, and you think that if you give yourself to them, you can feel some wholeness in your heart. You desire belonging. You, you desire to be loved. You desire to be accepted. And I want you to understand that you already belong, that you are already loved, that you already are accepted, even in the midst of your sin. And I want to repeat a verse that I shared this morning as the keys comes. One of the greatest and most freeing verses of the Bible, Romans 5.8. If there was ever a verse to memorize, memorize this one. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even in the midst of your sin, 
you are accepted. Even in the midst of your mistakes, you are wanted. And here's kind of the main point I want you to understand. There is no decision that you could ever make that would disqualify you from the love of God. There is no decision that you could ever make that would ever disqualify you from the love of God. Romans 8, 38, I don't have this on the screen, so just believe me that it's in here. It says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing you could ever do, say, believe, whatever, that could ever disqualify you from being loved by God. And God is not looking for you to check boxes off the list to earn his love. God is not legalistic. God is not looking for you to get into the Bible every single day at a certain time for a certain amount of time. God is not looking for you to lift your hands in worship all the time to earn his love. God is not looking for you to do anything except surrender and love him. We don't have to earn it. He isn't asking you to come to winter meltdown so you can be accepted. You could say it this way. You don't have to earn your way to acceptance. You don't have to earn it. All you need to do to join this, this one family, the one family that will change everything for you, is to surrender to Jesus and receive his forgiveness and acceptance. Forgiveness, we talked about this this morning, forgiveness is about your past. Acceptance is about your future. Forgiveness is about what's, what's happened. Acceptance is for who you are. And like we said, sang in that worship song just a few minutes ago, I am a child of God. Not I will be. Not I, I'm going to be when I can achieve this. I am. Everybody say I am. I am. I am. Nothing you can do to change it. You can fight it. You can go against it. You, don't, you, you may not believe it, but it is the truth that you are a child of God. And what that means is that you have been adopted into this family of believers. And this is your acceptance. And you have an opportunity to surrender to God, have your sins forgiven, 
and walk out with an understanding that you are accepted into the family. God is not waiting at this VIP line looking for who has made the cut because in reality, every name is on there. You are accepted. But maybe like Gomer, you feel that you have no value. You feel that you are not good enough. You feel that you are a disappointment. You feel that you will never be able to be as good as fill in the blank. You feel that you'll always be inadequate, that you will always come up short. Jesus bought you back. And he did that through the cross. When sin entered the world in order to get right with God, to be forgiven, to worship it, it came down to sacrificing something valuable. Typically it was animals or, or food, but it was typically the best of the best was sacrificed in order to, to get right with God. So when people sinned in order to, to receive forgiveness, they had to sacrifice something of value. And according to the law, the penalty for our sin was death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And back in that time, in order to receive forgiveness, something had to be sacrificed. And in order to pay for our sins, something had to be sacrificed. But God intervened on our behalf. And he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and be that sacrifice for us. God offered the best of the best. God offered the ultimate sacrifice for you and for you and for you and for you, and for you. And I think sometimes we get into places like this and we think in this general sense of, oh, God gave his life for us. But what I want you to do, I think that God gave his son for your life. Think about your life, your family, the mistakes you made, the school you're in, the, the life you're living. Don't think of it from God giving his life to a nation or God giving his life for you. No, he gave his life for your life, for my life. The best of the best. Psalm 51, 16 and 17. The psalmist writes, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. No matter what you've done, no matter who you think you are, no matter who you think you're gonna turn out to be, the truth that I need you to understand is that you already are accepted. 
the world may reject you. Like we said this morning, people will hurt you, but that doesn't change God's love for you. You, are, you have value. I think there are some young women in this room that need to understand that you are valuable. You have value. There are some guys in this room that you need to know that you are good enough. You're not a disappointment. You are not a disappointment. You might think you've let your parents down. You might think you've let your friends down. You might think you've let your youth leaders down. You are not a disappointment. You are loved. God knows you. God cares for you. God knows the the hairs on your head, and he died for you. And when people turn their back on you, God never will. You know why? Because you are his child. You are his child. And you are loved. You have value. And you are accepted. But we have to receive it. We have to receive it. We have to make that decision. This is God. I accept your acceptance. I accept your invitation to join your family. Can we all stand together? I love these final night sessions because these nights are typically where decisions are made. I hope decisions have been made this morning. I, 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 I pray that they were made yesterday. But Saturday night is typically the, the, the night where, where the decisions are made. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just an emotional night. I don't know if it's because we've had two sessions together. You've had small group and, and God's just been working. But I just feel tonight that there are some of you that just need to accept his invitation. You've been fighting it for so long. You've been pushing it off. You were rejecting it. And maybe some of you were persuaded to come to this weekend. You didn't necessarily want to come, but your youth leader was persistent or that friend invited you in. You've just been, God, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know about this God thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I, I don't know. Maybe tonight's the night. We say, you know what? I understand God loves me, that God has a plan for me, that God knows me. And tonight is your night to say yes to joining the family. Some of you, it's the first time. Some of you are going to say yes again. There's no difference. The prodigal son came home. He said yes again. And the father had a celebration. And I believe that heaven is waiting to celebrate tonight. The banquet table is set. The finest china has been laid out. The, the best meal has been prepared. The Spotify playlist has been picked. Like, God, the streamers are set up. The balloons are ready. 
he's got the angels and the witnesses ready to go because he says, hey, my children are coming home. You gotta get ready. You gotta come watch. You gotta come be here. I've extended the invitation and, and there are gonna be children that are gonna come home tonight and I believe it within my heart that a party is going to be thrown for you tonight. I believe that this is your moment. This is why you are here. This is why you are in this room to say yes to Jesus after so long of fighting. You're gonna surrender, you're gonna stop resisting, you're gonna come home, and when you come home, it's gonna be a party. It's gonna be a celebration. Let's not put it off anymore, so let's pray. Jesus, we feel your presence in this room. We feel your spirit in here. And God, I just pray that you would reveal yourself in such a new way to these people here. I pray for decisions of saying yes to you tonight, God. I pray, God, that we would say yes again and again and again, that we would understand the life that we're choosing to live, but we know that there's so much more in you. So God, I pray that we can repent, which means to turn and cast off, that we can turn and come back home not to feel guilty, not to feel shame, not to be told about our sin, but to be welcomed in. And I'm praying tonight that there are people in this room who will say yes to you. So Jesus, you know our heart. We trust you. We love you. And we say yes. We accept your invitation into your family. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. We say yes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.